Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends. Our guest this week has had a rich career in musical theater perhaps being best known to audiences as Broadway's longest-running Phantom, racking up over 2,000 performances in The Phantom of the Opera. Before The Phantom, however, there were Tony-nominated turns in The Mystery of Edwin Drood and Anything Goes, as well as originating the role of Wilson Meisner in Stephen Sondheim's last musical to date, Bounce. To tell us what it was like to work with such legends as George Rose, Patti Lapone, and Hal Prince, Plus, what it was like to film the Mystery of Edwin Drood music video for VH1. That's right, there is a music video nice. for Edwin Drood. Here is Howard McGillan. Hi. Hi, Howard. Hi. Howard, thanks for being with You're us. You're so welcome. I do have to correct you, though. It's yeah, over 2,500 performances. Oh, my gosh. Which is, I'm not sure if that's a distinction or some kind of mark against me in terms of my mental uh, sanity. <laughs> because I actually did perform it over 2,500 times. That's what they tell me, anyway. 2,500 times? Yeah. As the phantom yeah that is amazing <laughs> it's it's a sickness i don't know what <laughs> what can i say i yeah you know and the first question i feel like everyone comes to mind that you've probably been asked over and over again is hmm. you know how do you keep fresh i mean obviously yeah. that's right. what everyone always says but. but you know i think that's true whether you do it 10 times or 2500 yeah. times i mean obviously the longer you do something the the more you have to work at at forgetting that you've been doing it that long Indeed. i won't lie to you there are times when you think i cannot do this one more time but there's something amazing about performing that if if you have it in you that this is what you love to do more than anything and that you know that you know that there's an audience out there mm-hmm. that has never seen you perform before there's something about us we just have to go out there and try to do the best we can do and uh uh and the role is so deep and rich and uh you know i mean this guy is pretty complicated so yeah. it's uh it's it, it's it never gets old. Yeah, there's always things to mine and yeah. figure out, how, I'm sure. Yeah. How long was your rehearsal process going into The Phantom? It was really only about three weeks, I want to say. Um, but I know how Prince didn't come around to see me perform the role once I was in for about four weeks after I'd been in because yeah. oh. they know that the role has so much to do with climbing ladders backstage in a cape and the hats and the crazy changes and the thing you know the the just the technical stuff of it um that 
you know, basically, I think they consider that part of your rehearsal period, the first couple of weeks of performing it, because really, it is like, I'm telling you, I've never in my life, and even after doing it as long as I did, I I was soaked every night after the show, because it's just, it's that kind of role, you know, it's just, it's just so intense added to it the physical stuff of right. climbing ladders running around, there's a sure. lot yeah. of running around backstage there's a lot about what that that wow. role is yeah what what are some of the traps somebody can fall into not not not, not the physical <laughs> traps, <laughs> because but, he used to have a trap that he fell through right there was a there was a trap door the size really just a little bit wider than your shoulders shoulder width and a little bit uh deeper than your shoe length i mean i'm not kidding it was called the star trap and they cut it because people were getting injured if you don't make your mark because you you have to hit that mark and for the first i would say for about the first year that i was doing phantom i was using i was doing the star trap uh fall actually i'm trying to remember because i went into the show in 1999 Uh and I was there for three and a half years and I left to do Bounce Mm. so I left the show and I think it was during that time that they decided I think someone else got injured I'm not sure and I think they said that's it no more we're cutting it because literally the first day I was telling someone this story recently um the first day uh they said Oh, oh, and on Thursday, I'm in rehearsal. I'm learning the show. And they said, on Thursday, the stunt coordinator will be there. I think it was getting close to, to curtain time for me. You know, I was, I was about to go on in the role. Right. And they said, the stunt coordinator will be here on Thursday. And uh, so he'll be here around uh, 1 or one thirty, and he'll show you the, the stunt stuff. And I, I thought, I don't remember <laughs> any huge stunt Stunts. stuff. Why yeah. is there a stunt coordinator? So I went to lunch. I came back. And the guy says, all right, now here's the first thing. It's this trap door. And the trap, the trap was not on any kind of hydraulic thing. It was literally on, there were some pins uh-uh. in the uh-uh. stage. Uh-uh. It was on a huge spring that literally they pulled the pins out of the, the trap door and it fell down to the basement and landed on a huge like shock absorber spring. What? Oh my God. And so you, you, would, ha- you would go down with you it. You went down with it. You went down with and it. You had to, you had to know how to bend your knees and hit the, hit the ground in the basement when, you know, when you hit the spring down there on the, on the trap door. So he said, I'm just, I'm just going to show you, you're just going to stand there. And I had just had lunch Mm-mm. and I thought, I really made a mistake having lunch before watching <laughs> this because that literally when I saw this guy and how fast that thing was, yeah. I was really terrified of it for a while. Oh, yeah. But it, it, it turned out to be a lot of fun to do, and but it terrifying. was terrifying. Yeah, absolutely Because terrifying. not only that, because you're also wearing this enormous red oh, yeah. death costume, right? Mm-hmm. And this hat. And every you have to be on that mark, or you're going to either lose part of your costume or part of your limbs, you know. Oh so goodness. you and the signal for the trap to go was you had to raise your arm, but you had to raise your arm directly over your head. You couldn't raise it Mm-mm. out to the side because you'd lose your half Mm-mm. your arm. This is crazy. It was Mm-mm. it was really dangerous. And you stayed and I'm with glad this they... for twenty five hundred. Well, not not that particular stunt, but uh, anyway, oh anyway, twenty four hundred performances so, with that stunt. So the traps of of doing the, the phantom i'm sorry to, no. to digress the literal and figurative yeah. traps yeah. Yeah. yeah where did you grow up 
I grew up in California. Where, uh, whereabouts? Uh, Los Angeles first, and then we moved to Santa Barbara when I was a kid. I'm from Thousand Oaks. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So where'd you go to school out there? I went to school at Dos Pueblos High School. Dos Pueblos. Yep. Did- uh, yeah, it's a... It's a great little college i mean a high school and then i went to college in santa barbara as well i went to uc santa barbara you went to, oh which was a yeah. great theater program it was actually but i was a history major i was not a, a theater major i was i was trying to appease my parents kind of they were so not wanting me to be an actor mm, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. they, you what know, did they do my, look my mom was in in nursing education health education mm-hmm. And my dad was an accountant, and they, this was so far from anything they knew, and I just had the bug, and I just had to do it. So I, I was studying acting with a teacher, a, a professional, a wonderful actor named Bradford Dillman, who had a great and distinguished career on Broadway and also in yeah. TV and films. And he, was te- he taught a class every Sunday in Santa Barbara for a handful of actor, young actors that he thought had promise. And I was lucky enough to be asked to, to join this class. And for years, I would study with him, uh, do show after show in Santa Barbara. And this is in high school? Or in high school and college. college. And oh. so I decided when I, when I went to college that I was going to stay and still study with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and UC Santa Barbara was a great school. So I was very happy to be, to be there. What was your first musical yeah. in high school, Howard? first musical... Well, the first musical I ever was a part of, I played the clarinet in the orchestra. I was a clarinetist in, yes. in, in the band. And uh, my brother had the lead in The Sound of Music, my big brother. And uh, played Captain Von Trapp. Nice. And I, I thought, wow, that's really fun. Because I really knew nothing about the theater. We, mm-hmm. So I just, got the, I just got the bug doing shows in, in high school. What was the first show you were on stage So the first with? show I was on stage for was Paint Your Wagon. <gasps> oh, that's like one of my favorite musicals. Uh, it really is a very great score. sweet score. Yeah. yeah it really, really is. Really score. It really that's is. That's a great one to cut your teeth on. It was I, really fun. I mean, I was... Johansson the Swede. Yes, you were. <laughs> I had a total of maybe three words, not three lines. <laughs> I sang the immortal song, uh, immortal lyric. He says, what you think, what you think, Johansson? And I sang, think I look for better ground. <laughs> that was my entire performance. With accent. With, with, with accent. accent. Mm-hmm. Tink, I look for better ground. <laughs> Sounds Swedish to you, doesn't oh, yeah, it? That's how Swedes yeah, talk, authentic. for sure. So authentic. Oh, that's a good drama program that you had paint your wagon going yeah. on there. Oh, I it was mean, great. You just had a great drama it, teacher. We did. We had a great teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His name was Amor Lincoln, oh. and he was great. And he, he loved musicals and was... He directed them. He was the music director as well as the director. He was fantastic. Amazing how one person can really have such an effect. Huge you know, effect. Especially a good teacher. Huge you know. effect. Were you taking yeah. voice lessons at the same time? I was. I was. My very first uh, voice teacher is still teaching in Santa Barbara. Her name what? is Sharon Courier. And uh, I, I, you know, yeah, those teachers, those early teachers had huge, huge impact on mm-hmm. me. There was a great, great director there named Pope Freeman who gave me many, many roles mm-hmm. during that time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, both dramatic and musical, and I was just thrilled. Yeah. So I mean, cool. and I learned so much. That's how you learn, you right. know? I mean, yeah. you got to do oh, yeah. it. Yeah. I just had it. a young guy write to me and ask me about, you know, what do you think, where should I study and all this? And of course, study is important, but nothing beats Doing being it. on the just boards and, and do just be in the doing it. 
doing it. When so. you were done with college, did you come to Los Angeles or did you go to New York and then? Yeah, I went to Los Angeles because Bradford Dillman, who was my teacher at the time, said, you know, you should come down. I'll introduce you to my agent. You know, I was 21 years old. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. said, why not give it a shot? See what, see what happens. So he took me down to uh, his agent. His agent said, I think you should go over to Universal and meet the 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 uh, uh, what they called the the talent program uh, person. There was a yeah. guru there mm, named wow. her name was Monique James, nice. and she ran this this huge talent program that they had. It was like the last dying gasp of the contract system in Hollywood. Oh. And she said, uh, "Come back and do an audition for us, and we'll see." And I got an audition. I came back and uh, I did a scene. And they signed me. So I was wow. signed to Universal Studios. I thought, I've what? made it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got it made. Contract so, player. Contract yeah. player, Universal. And I think my starting salary was $225 a week That's before okay. commission. <laughs> before taxes yeah. and commission. It really was like I, really just starting out. But they kind of would push you in the door to auditions for all the TV shows that shot on the lot. And in the five, I was there five years. Oh my goodness. And I did tons of stuff. You were tons on what, of, Rockford Files? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I, I worked my way up from like, I was a bellhop on Macmillan and Wife, oh. you know, and uh, just, you know, waiting for the tip that didn't come, yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, like five and unders. And I started to build it and start to get guest roles on stuff like Rockford Files mm -hmm. and I did worked with Raymond Burr three different series that oh, he did including cool. a Perry Mason some Perry Mason movies nice. later on um I did I did Wheels I just had I just was talking to a guy who's writing a book f about Rock Hudson and uh, I played Rocks and Lee Remick's son Ralph Bellamy's grandson, by the way. I mean, One I worked legend. with all these amazing, legends. amazing legends uh, wow. in a, in a miniseries called Wheels. Were you able to do theater when you weren't doing television in Los Angeles? No, and that's why I came to New York because oh. I was I really, you know, the the attitude at that time. I remember my first agent said to me. Because uh, I went into him, uh, into the office one day and I said, you know, I'm sitting around waiting for the phone to ring for these five and under roles on, on uh, Macmillan and Wife or mm -hmm. whatever, Columbo. I said, what about the theater? I, you know, I sing, I could do shows down at the music center in L.A. And yeah. he said, no one goes to the theater but a bunch of blue-haired old ladies. That was their attitude. Wow. And wow. I, I don't think he was that uh, unique in Hollywood. Finally, I just said, I've got to give New York a shot. So you took the plunge and you went over to New York. I did. Amazing. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind asking, how old were you when you moved from L.A. to New York? Oh, I'd been in L.A. 10 years, so I was oh. about 31. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I must incredible. have been 30, 31, something like that. So you came to New York yeah. uh, without representation? Did well, I had it? no. I that I had an agent in Hollywood who had an office here. They okay, had so just actually opened an office. Well, that's that's convenient. in New York. It yeah. was the timing couldn't have been better. And uh, I remember the agent one the, the one of these agents' assistants who quickly became an agent because she was so good. Her name was Mary Maher. Unfortunately, she passed away. Running down the street after me, I had literally just gone to their office, which was a bunch of desks shoved together in a makeshift office that they had just thrown together because they had been summarily booted out of another agency oh because the agent found out they were talking about starting the oh uh, East Coast version of oh this of this agency, which was Gersh. Oh, and wow. I remember her running down the sidewalk saying, "Howard, Howard, they want to see you down at the Public Theater for La Boheme." And 
It oh. just so happened that I had been working, and I'm not making this up, I had been working on the aria from La Boheme with my voice teacher in L.A. before I left and with no knowledge that they were going to be doing what? La Boheme at the public. And Linda Ronstadt was starring in it. Yeah. And I got cast. It oh, was like amazing. I was in New York. I don't want to make people really sick, but I was in New York 10 days when I got that audition. <laughs> and within a couple of weeks, I was cast in the role because I had the callbacks and everything. But what was that audition process like? I mean, this is like a full well, opera was, of... I mean, it was... So it was a new English language translation ah. of La Boheme. Uh, and uh, they all I needed to do was learn the English translation of the aria I already knew. Amazing. So it was like meant to be. Oh my god! It was gosh. just meant to be. And then that's what you used in the audition. I mean, you went yeah. and you sang. Yeah. The Who directed this? Wilfred Leach. God oh, rest oh his my. soul. He gave me such a break. He gave me that break. And while we were in uh, in performance for that, he said to me, "Have you ever heard of this guy named Rupert Holmes? He wrote the Pina Colada song." <laughs> yes, of course. And I said, "Oh my God! Yeah, of course." He said, "Well, he's written a musical, and I think you'd be right for a role in it. I want you to come in uh, and sing for him." And I did, and I got that part, and that was so. I owe so much to Wilfred Leach. What he was, was amazing. What was it like to be directed by him? What made him such mm. a good director? He was. He set a tone in the rehearsal room of complete safety and comfort so you could try anything he was huh. not there wasn't a, a you weren't you didn't feel like you were walking on sometimes when you're working with a director you feel like you're walking on eggshells because they're they're so kind of focused and and uh, not that not that he wasn't focused but the, you know the the difference was it was he set a wonderful kind of let's try this kind mm-hmm. of attitude mm-hmm. about it and uh, it, it was just, I mean, I just loved it. It was, uh, he, yeah, of course, he would give you, great, and he had great ideas. He would come and say, you know, why don't you try this? Or, you mm. remember this? Uh, you know, he'd give me a reference uh, from art or, you know, literature or whatever, and, and you'd run with it. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was great. And uh, There was a recording of it. Uh, yeah. There is a recording of it, actually. I, there, it's bootleg, but it's... Oh, it's, I counts. Definitely could All right. Oh, it's around. It's around. Someone find that for us, because uh, we need to listen to that. When you were making your rounds as an actor, did you have an audition song? Was there your go-to song that you... Mm-hmm. Proud Lady yes. from The Baker's Wife. <laughs> that, was, that was a song that I sang. Uh, of course, you know it was it was the it was the perfect song uh, for a young guy to yeah. be singing, you know? strapping, yeah, yeah exactly, totally. baritone kind of thing, you know, uh, which which I uh, I used a lot during that time. So you're proud lady, yeah. And then uh, and she loves me. I would sing, oh, oh. yeah, I would sing. She loves me. Well, that's gonna come back to because, you because, <laughs> well, yeah. So actually, one of my first shows in New York. I mean, in in New York, one of my first shows in high school. Oh. was she loves me. Huh. We did She Loves Me, and on alternate nights, I was cast as Kodai and George. That's a pretty good... Wow. It was, That's a pretty good rep. <laughs> it was practice. unbelievable. There were so many kids in the, in the uh, music theater department that, that, that our wonderful director said, I'm going to double cast it so you're going to play different roles on alternate nights. Oh, that's brilliant. And uh, it, was, it was great until you got to the song Sounds While Selling. Which anyone who knows musical yeah. theater knows that it's little bits of yes. lyrics that everybody picks up on, and, and it's this kind of cacophony of of crazy ideas that that happen because it's Sheldon Harnick, brilliant lyric, yeah. um, that comes out very comical and funny. But 
on a, on any given night, you had to remember who whose words you know you oh, were yeah. singing at a given time because <laughs> oh, every, it changed. You know, from night that's to night. crazy. That was that was a challenge. Now, before Drood goes to Broadway, you did Follies in concert. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember the sequence. It's ancient history now, Rob. But uh, <laughs> uh, I did. You did. Was it my first job? My first yeah. uh, job was La Boheme. And from that, I went pretty quickly to Broadway in Sunday in the Park with George, where right. I understudied George oh. and played the part of the soldier. But I knew when I was signing that contract that I could only do it for four months because I was already cast to do Drood in the Park. Oh, the I'm trying court. to remember the sequence yeah. of this. Yeah, that, that's right. So, so I was only with Sunday in the Park for four months. And uh-huh. I remember one day I was sitting backstage. Uh, we were waiting to start rehearsal. And I was talking to James Lapine, and I said, oh, I hear they're doing Follies uh, in concert. And he said, yeah, that's, that's coming up in you know, a couple of months or whatever. And I said, I would love to. I love that show so much. Mm. Uh, I would love to get in on that. And he said, oh, he said, I'll, uh, I'll mention that to Steve. <laughs> and I got the part. <laughs> it worked out. Ben. It worked out. Yes. So I played Young Ben in that. Uh, yeah, so we oh, did that. Concert. So we did that between... Drood in the park, which was a summer thing, obviously, yeah, yeah. to the move to Broadway for Drood. So, so that was the in-between job. That was the in-between yeah, job. I mean, it was... Of okay. working on that, because what, you had four days of rehearsal? Oh God, Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah it was world very... With legends. Yeah, Everybody true. Everybody through that door is amazing. Everyone coming through that door. Uh, not the least of them was Lee Remick. Again, I played her son on oh, this, right. on oh, this yeah. miniseries. So... It was such a great opportunity to see her again and work with her, mm. and uh, she was one classy lady. Yeah, she was talented. just so great. Really oh my talented. god, so good. That was a night to remember. You're right. That is so. Isn't cool. there a documentary on it? There is. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. documentary. Yeah. Were there a lot of changes made from Drood in Central mm. Park to Drood when it came to Broadway? Oh my god, enormous changes. Yeah. Oh. When we first read that. <laughs> We first did a reading of it down at the public. I remember it was a really hot day, and it was really close in that room. And there maybe were, I think there must have been about 75 to 100 people invited to see it. Um, Of course, Joe Papp was there. And we did a reading of the show. And it was, we had a binder. I think it was about three inches thick. Because there were all those alternative endings. Oh, right. And yes, at the time also, um, you know, when Rupert first wrote this, he wrote every thought that came into his head. Not, that's exaggerating, of course. But there, it was overwritten. Yeah. And it needed, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, like anything, sure. it, needed, yes. it needed editing. And, and, but I think the first performance of that, that at that reading lasted about three and a half hours. I am not exaggerating. I think it felt like it. It really was a long one. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it changed. It changed considerably. I mean, just obviously in tightening. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rupert's brilliant. And his, the, the whole concept of it was so great. And the characters were so rich. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just a matter of kind of honing it. And you, you know, were asked to be in it, right? Is that correct? Did you audition? Or? Oh, I auditioned. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you auditioned. Yeah, I auditioned. Okay. Yeah, Wilford had said to me, you know, there's this part I think you'd be right for, but, you you know, obviously you're going to have to come in and audition. Uh, and uh, 
and I did, and I got it. And it I was very lucky. It wow. went your way. George Rose. I have so many show. wonderful yeah. memories. I mean, first of all, he taught me by example how dedicated one has to be hmm. in this business, in the craft of acting, in you know performing. He he literally never missed a perform. He had not missed a performance in his career wow. until somewhere during Drood on Broadway. He got so sick. He had he had a, a terrible laryngitis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bad bad cold, and he just literally could not squeak out any more uh, any yeah. any voice at all. And he had to take a night off or something. And he was not happy about that because oh. he literally had a flawless record. Prided himself. Uh, yeah. Prided yeah. himself yeah. in yeah. that, as he did every aspect of of the craft. So he was. So that example was great, and then he was such a generous performer. He was, he was, and so clever. God knows he was so so brilliant, um, and and was invaluable to the production and to Rupert. I'm sure who would say the same thing. He was, he knew this this uh, genre inside out. Mm. He'd grown up in musical theater. I mean, in, in uh, the music hall yeah, tradition yeah. in Britain. Yeah. So he knew it inside and out. He knew what the role of the MC was. And his ad-libs were priceless <laughs> on any given night. He was just so... Br- there was only one night where I saw George Rose was at a complete loss for words. And I mean only once. And it was when we had a heckler in the audience. You know, what? the whole story is based, it's, the show is based on uh, Charles Dickens' The Mystery of Edwin Drood, mm-hmm. which he did not complete because he passed away yes. while he was writing yes. the book. Right. So the conceit that Rupert took up was that the audience would vote on the ending each night and we could end it any way we wanted with anyone being yeah. chosen as the murderer, anyone right. being chosen as the lovers who get to sing the love, love yeah. song and at the end. Brilliant. What a great, great concept. Brilliant. It I was mean, brilliant. Uh, it, was, it was great and it was fun. It was so much fun. Encourages audience participation yeah. too. Yeah. Most audience participation. However, there are those sticks in the mud, for lack of a better word, <laughs> who, who will just feel it is such a sacrilege. This mm. God, so so we're doing the show and yeah. the, and the whole conceit is <laughs> we're doing the show as we are a troupe of music hall performers so we're like down like on the D level of of the kind of class of, <laughs> of the theater right we're not this is not the the Royal Academy right, you know right. this is not the National Theater these are music hall performers so they're you know with all of their quirks and wonderful you know sensibilities but here we are doing our best and hamming it up like crazy and we're we're all now in this great cakewalk kick line and we're singing about don't quit while you're ahead and suddenly we everyone looks at each other and we don't know what the next lyric is let alone what happens because and george rose says ladies and gentlemen it was at this moment that Charles Dickens laid down his pen forever. <laughs> and, you know, the uh-huh. audience laughs and yeah. applauds, and he says, but it's up to you tonight to choose how the story ends, right? <laughs> yes. And he's setting up the whole thing. We, you're going to be voting. You're going to be, you know, and we did every night. We would go out and take polls from the audience. They would decide who they wanted to vote for the murderer, who they wanted. But he's saying, so, so you tonight will decide. And he said... Um, so he gets to the point about Charles Dickens had, had died, and out from up in the balcony, we hear a guy yell, Charles Dickens didn't write this! And, and, oh my gosh! And, 
And of course, the audience thought that was probably part, part of the of show, the show, you know. Yeah. But George Rose was suddenly he started to sputter, and I have <laughs> never, I have never seen it. I'd never seen it. He he's a, 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 a oh shut up. <laughs> Which was an ad lib. Usually, though, he had just the best. He had oh, the, yeah. just the greatest ad libs. Oh, oh my god! You need a good anyway. leader like that, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was it? Did you get a chance to rehearse all of those crazy alternate endings? Was it? Ter- oh yeah. Was it terrifying every night to not know it, if you it, were going to sing or not? It was for most everyone in the show except me, and I'll tell you why. I was the hands-on, most obvious uh, murderer. Mm. Yeah. So. I was never elected murderer. And not only that, I had a confession that I sang uh-huh. anyway yeah. yes. because the conceit was that Jasper, the character I played, was so hopped up on opium that he thought he had murdered Edwin yeah. Drood. So he sings this whole confession. And, and it was a really, it was like a red herring that Rupert yeah. put, in the, put in the show because the audience is thinking, oh, God, of course they, you know, wh- who right. voted for him? <laughs> you know, it's too obvious. And then at the end of this great confession, out comes Dirtles, Jerry Dempsey, the great Jerry Dempsey, God rest his soul. And he came out and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jasper, John Jasper, you didn't kill Edwin Drood. You thought you had. And, and out comes whoever was elected the murderer that night with a confession that explained not only that Jasper yeah. was too, you know, too in his uh, in his cups. So easy for you with the laudanum yeah. wine. Yes, exactly. And then they would. Yeah, so it was yeah. easy for me. Oh, that's brilliant. Because I knew, always knew what I was going to sing. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, also brilliant. I have to ask you about this. Uh, the music video. Again, Rupert Holmes, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Have you have you seen this? No, we'll I can't believe it. I haven't. We, we will I, post this to our Facebook page. Can you explain a little bit about what this is? Because it's the Set most it for genius <laughs> thing I've ever yeah. seen. In my life. it's brilliant marketing. It's actually it, brilliant really marketing. well. And I, actually, at that time, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was f- supposed to go on the only video channel that would play it. Because there were only two. There was MTV and there was VH1. Oh, yeah. yeah. And VH1 was supposedly, at that time, this is what their business model was. We're the adult version of MTV. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to present stuff that, that more adult audiences will want to see. So we were like, I think, one of the very first... I don't think there had ever been a, a, a Broadway music video no. before. Mm-hmm. And it was all because of Rupert. Because Rupert was so clever and so uh, keyed into the whole music industry. Yeah. Because he'd produced Barbara Streisand's albums. He produced the Superman album that Barbara Streisand recorded. Mm-hmm. He wrote, of course, songs for her uh, and, and was a great record producer before he started thinking, I should write a Broadway musical. Right. Yeah. The book, music, and uh, lyrics. The yeah. book, music, and I mean, lyrics, by the way. And he wanted to be in it at the time. He wanted to be in it. Oh, my God. And uh, Wilfred Leach said, Rupert, I think you have enough on your plate <laughs> without also appearing in it. Fair. Fair. Yeah. But you know what? He would have been great. Oh, yeah. He would have been great. But because he didn't get to play it, uh, Joe Grafazzi got to play Bazzard oh. because that's what Rupert wanted to play. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so we, record, so we made this video. It was a music video. And the whole idea was that we were recording the cast album of uh-huh. Drood. Mm-hmm. But it was a pop version of the song, Don't Quit While You're Ahead. Uh, and, uh, and so the whole thing took place in 
a recording studio in modern dress. We were all in our kind mm-hmm. of, our, you know, jeans and t-shirts and stuff singing this song as if it were a pop song that we were recording for the, for the radio, I guess, or whatever. And there's a murder that occurs in the recording studio. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and Rupert, by the way, is cast. He cast himself. He's yes. not a, he's not a fool. Cast himself as the record producer and he gets murdered. During the yeah. brilliant, <laughs> and there was a there was a prize attached to who could guess because again Rupert you know thinking like seven feet ahead of himself at every second there was a prize that if you if you could guess who the murderer was and there were clues in the video you would win a all expense paid trip to New York to see Drude and I mean it brilliant. was fantastic oh it was great it was very clever it's so brilliant. And Betty Buckley. It was so much fun. Everyone's in it. Yeah. And now, here's... I don't know if you know the answer, because it's posted on YouTube. Yeah. But they never have posted who the murderer was. Uh-huh. So, I don't know who, who it is. It, Do you have to yeah, remember who so I'm, it? Tr- I'm going to get, take a... a- Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Gander. I think it's, uh, it was uh, John Herrera huh. who played Neville. And I, I'm pretty sure it was John. I think he had a ring, or I'm, I'm giving it away, but no, that's well, that's okay. Fine. I think he was wearing a ring or something. <laughs> and I think you excited. saw a hand. I think you saw a hand in the frame at some point when Rupert was being brilliant, summarily oh just dispatsed for me. That All I've been right. waiting for you, your whole life, Rob. My it's, whole life. It's changed now. now. I can quit the podcast. And <laughs> that's right. Live in the mountains and retire. <laughs> I retire. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I was going to ask. Uh, anything goes comes after this. That was great. And what a great uh, contrast to go from well, Drood, you know, uh, to that, which was, I mean, it was just, that was probably one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Not that Drood wasn't, uh, but I love doing Anything Goes. It what was made such, it so uh, Well, enjoyable. it's just such a joyful show. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, uh, it, it's just, it's called Porter. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of silly, farcical mm-hmm. stuff, you know, doors slamming and opening and closing and... Uh, uh, it was really fun. Just oh great. Gosh. And I, we should have mentioned, I'm so sorry, that you were nominated for a Tony Award for Edwin Drew. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. That's, uh, that's nice. Pretty great. Great, great. And then another Tony nomination for Anything Goes? Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I'm very happy about it. It was great. Um, you know, when you listen to the Anything Goes recording, everything still sounds so fresh. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it, it sounds like you're hearing these songs for the first time. Even though That's really great to hear. Yeah, 50 or 60 years. Uh-huh. What, did, what was the rehearsal process like in tackling these iconic? Well, it was, it was great and uh, exciting. And 
very thorough. You know, I think uh, uh, Eddie Strauss, uh, rest his soul, was our music director mm. and uh, mm. a great, great uh, genius at the keyboard. And and uh, w- along with Jerry's axe, he uh, they. They crafted this show, and and John Weidman mm-hmm. and uh, Timothy Krauss were the book writers, and they and it really was a it was kind of I'd say the show was maybe eighty percent formed when we started rehearsals, but there was a lot of work that went into yeah. figuring out what worked and what didn't. Mm. Um, but um, maybe that's maybe it was a little more more than eighty percent because all the songs were the same. We didn't yeah. we didn't. Uh, mix and match but they did they had done an amazing job in saying well you know he should sing easy to love which was a great song that i loved which was from born to dance that jimmy stewart sang and i actually have a great story about that i i uh was such a fan of jimmy stewart's and and when i when i got the role and i knew i was singing that that song that was so his song from Mm. that movie all those years ago that i had loved so much um i wrote him a letter Inviting him to come to the show, and he came. What? It was such a great. Ex- I can't tell you. I was That's just cool. over the moon. That uh, is cool. Bernie Gersten got the letter to Jimmy Stewart because it just so happened that Jimmy Stewart. I think I'd seen that Jimmy Stewart was going to be coming to New York to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award from the mm-hmm. Moving Image Museum or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and uh, and I I knew it, I knew we were going to be on the boards doing this show, and I wrote him this letter, and and I told Bernie about, it, and he said I'll get the letter to him because someone on the board knows someone else, you know, right. and and sure enough yeah. he uh, he because I doubt that it would have gotten him if I'd sent it to his his uh, fan <laughs> right. mail service. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? This the company that puts on anything goes. I mean, not only is it you, but it's Patty Lapone and Jerry yeah. Sachs and Michael Smullen and yeah. Bill McCutcheon, who is oh, a yeah. great charming. He was so great. Charming actor. Um, what's it like to be in the rehearsal room with, uh, you know, either one, any of those people, Jerry yeah. Zax or Patty Lapone or Michael Smullen? Well, it's thrilling. And uh, you, have to, you have to step up your game, you know. Mm. You're aware of the people you're working with. And, uh, uh, but at the same time, you're also lifted by them mm. because, yeah. you know, they're so brilliant that you feel, okay, I, I, I've got to just jump in here and... Uh, you know, um, I I uh, was just thrilled to be a part of it. Well, but yeah. I was going to say one of the things about that cast album that I think yeah. makes it so seem so fresh to this day is that we recorded that album like a live recording, like they used to do in the old days. Like in- we literally had. They told us you have two, maybe three takes, and that's it. We have to move on. Huh. I think the entire thing. It was a 12-hour day. I really am not exaggerating. And we may have gone over that, but that was the goal. And so there was an electricity, which I think is missing in a lot of cast albums because they're overproduced. Everyone's in a different room. Yes, everyone's in a different room. We recorded that. It was one of the last cast albums to record in Studio A at RCA Recording Studios before that went it went bye-bye that's yeah. gone it's not there anymore and it was the same uh same studio where toscanini conducted yeah. you know the phil and i mean it was just it was that was a a classic classic room so oh, that, pretty thrilling to be there definitely adds the electricity of it yeah. yeah you know one of the things we talk about with our students are uh list songs uh-huh. and you're the top is yeah i think the list song yeah I, how do you find your way into that? How do how do you avoid the challenge of oh they're just going to name 
right. another thing. And granted, they get cleverer and cleverer because it's Cole Porter. Right. But mm-hmm. you know, how do you lyrics. find the spontaneity? How do you approach a song like that? It's really that? interesting because when we, when we started rehearsing it, Michael Smeon, who was our choreographer, um, had, uh, had staged it for us. I mean, we, we went into rehearsal. We started to learn his staging for it. And, and Patty and I both felt a little bit like it was staged instead of felt instead of kind of organically kind of coming to be and um i don't know somebody i think it might have been patty said (laughs) something to jerry like would you have a look and let us know what you think yeah and he said you're right i think what we'll do is we'll go back and start over and we just basically kind of found it because really the thing about that song is it's really about the two characters trying to one up the other right by by being more clever mm-hmm. in telling that other how fantastic they are mm-hmm. yeah you know so it it's really a, it's like a love song in mm-hmm. a way so it yeah it's a list a, a list song but it's really a love song in disguise about how great you are sense. and let great. me right. wait 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 that's not that's not enough yes i'm going to i'm going to top you Wow, that's how you find your way in. I think that's how yeah. we found our way in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very mm-hmm. smart. It's a good lesson. It's a great lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after anything goes, you did uh, you did some replacements, right? You did it, You went into Secret Garden. Yeah. Yeah, let me think. I guess it was. I had finished Anything Goes, yeah. And I'd gone out to L.A. I think mm-hmm. I was in out to L.A. for pilot season or mm-hmm. something okay. that year. And I got the call uh, to go to come back to New York and do Secret Garden. Because uh, oh. Mandy Patinkin had done the original cast, but he was there only for three months. Yeah. And so uh, that was part of his contract. Wow. So he was leaving, and I got the job. Oh, hey. and, uh, Why not? I, yeah. I was, it was a great experience for me to be. First of all, it's, it's such a beautiful show. I love that show. Yes. And it was, you know, sometimes things happen on in your career that help your life along and my life at that time was a a lot of transition and this was a great uh, lesson for me it was the show itself and the message of the show Mm -hmm. about redemption about uh, about opening up your heart and not you know kind of living shut down because Mm -hmm. this guy Uncle Archie is pretty shut down Mm -hmm. at the you know throughout the show he it, it takes him the entire length of the show to finally find out what's really important in his life and also how to let go of old ghosts yeah. it was a great great Those walls come down it, yeah. yeah so yeah. It, it mirrored it mirrored what was going on in my life so beautifully it was great it's nice when the theater uh, can do that the yeah. art yeah. can do that yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed uh, and then Spider Woman was that next uh, Spider Woman came next yeah my first memory of it was I had about I think about three and a half four weeks of rehearsal and it was Cheetah's last three weeks of her performance. So I knew I was going to be having to get up at the end of that show, at, which is really a, a, like a killer oh, show for those two guys have and chops. for Cheetah. Yeah. But, but you, you, you know, you're, you're on the boards there almost the entire show for two and a half hours. And then you, ha- you have to get up off the floor and dance a tango with Cheetah Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember... I remember being really terrified because, you know, I had heard rumors, oh, you know, Cheetah can be tough. Yeah. And, you know, she, if you don't know your stuff and and 
and I have to tell you, it was exactly the opposite. She could not have been more generous, could not have been more encouraging, mm. and make me feel like I could do this. Yeah. I remember that first rehearsal with her. I was shaking. Oh, you know, because yeah. it's like, God, Cheetah Rivera. I'm dancing with Cheetah Rivera. Yeah. Uh, but she was so good to me and said, you know, she guided me and showed me and told me how to make it better. And, yeah. you know, because I'm not a dancer. I was going to ask you have, you, have you danced a lot? No, and... God, no. I mean, I, you know, like anybody, I studied, <laughs> right. you know, took the, I took the my college classes, took and, those college yep. classes, I, you know, and, uh, and, and when I was in LA for a while, one of my little uh, guilty pleasures was, was a dance class that we had every week where we would go and just do like, you know, it was like a jazz theater class it was right. really mm-hmm. theater a bunch of actors in hollywood who were wanted to get up and move and mm-hmm. and do something different so so i did that but yeah i'm not a dancer <laughs> for god's sake when you were going into oh, just a question about your process um when you're going into secret garden and you're going into spider woman do you do you watch the show a couple of times with the other performers in it to get an idea of what the rhythm of the show is going to be or do you like to just see it once and then do the work on your own I like to do the work on my own. I mean, I like to see the show. Uh, you have to see yeah, the show. Yeah, right. You have to see how it all works. Yeah. And uh, uh, but I once I've seen it, I I try to. Uh, I think the process should be the same as if you are starting a show from the very first day of rehearsal with everyone else, yeah. Yeah. except that with the great big caveat, which is this show is up and running and it's a well-oiled machine. Right. So you can't reinvent the wheel. You have to be somebody who can fit into that track and, and you know, because everyone else's show, they, they have their show. Right. They, they know, you know, but again, you can't help it. There are, there are differences that are going to occur because you're sure. a different yeah. actor than the person who was playing That's... it before. So, um, you know, it can be delicate at times. Yeah, it's hard it can to find be delicate. It's hard I to find be. the balance, mm-hmm. and you know, you don't want to. You don't want the other actors to feel like you're kind of trying to force something on them. Right. You know, and you certainly have to, to, you know, defer to them in in certain instances because yeah. of it. She loves me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And well, come in full circle with your say, uh, yeah. from high school, right? Right. And, <laughs> and here it is. One role. Yeah. <laughs> yes, only one role. And here it is uh, being revived on Broadway, which Isn't is amazing. amazing. Um, I think it's got the best score I in American musical theater. Could not agree more. I think it's it really is one of the greatest musicals ever written. Book, music, yes. and lyrics. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. It's a perfect show. Um, I couldn't say it more perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) What's it like creating a character that the audience loves to hate? It's great. (laughs) It's so much fun. (laughs) Because it's so... You don't really have to work very hard. It's there. It's all there. He's such a jerk. And he's such a slimeball. And you can't... You know... he is just, and of course, the great Jack Cassidy was oh, yeah. was the template. We always talk about it. It's my, I mean, he was my favorite, favorite actor on. of that he generation. He was so great, and and I I'd never seen him on stage, but I'd seen him in tons of TV and movies. Yeah, and, and always just loved him. And of course, that cast album I wore out when yep. I was a kid. Well, we did it oh, in yeah. high school, so yeah. you know we we knew every every uh, track on that album forwards <laughs> and backwards. But uh, you've got a pretty great. Uh, kind of image of what this character is going in. It's, it was, and then you've got this dream cast. And it was just, it was just, uh, 
Can, can you remind us who was in this yeah. cast so, with you? Yeah, so Boyd Gaines and Judy Kuhn at the oh. roundabout uh, and Sally Mays playing Alona. And uh, we had Louis Zorich playing Mr. Marachek. <laughs> and uh, God, I'm trying to remember now. Oh, of course, Lee Wilkoff playing oh, Sipos. Yes. Uh, and uh, oh, Brad Kane played Arpad. Mm-hmm. He was great. Uh, God, I hope I haven't left anyone out. But that's a remarkable. Oh yeah, it was group of individuals remarkable. Together. It was remarkable, and Scott Ellis directed it beautifully, oh, and Tony yeah, Walton did the sets, uh, and of course we had Sheldon, and, uh, yeah. you know, Sheldon and Jerry Bach yeah. in the room, and uh, that but, was a thrill. Did, oh, did, and I left out Jonathan Freeman. Oh, who, Jonathan Freeman! Oh my uh, gosh. Come on, so he was great, and Joey McNeely was the dancing oh. waiter. Oh, really? I did not know that. Uh, brilliant. These guys were great. It was a, it was a flawless cast. Oh, oh so I also, it? but I also wanted to say yeah. that, so we did it at the roundabout, right. and then we moved to Broadway. So we were at, actually at the old roundabout theater, which was uh, the old Bonds clothing store, yeah. above Bond, <laughs> yeah, you know, at yeah, the yeah. corner there. And then we moved to the Brooks Atkinson. Mm-hmm. And Judy, came, uh, Judy Kuhn had been already cast in Sunset Boulevard. And was was going to be because we didn't know she didn't know at the time that the show was going to move to Broadway, right, right. so she was already contracted to to leave. So she left, and Diane Frattentoni took over, oh. who uh, was brilliant as well. Yeah. So we had we had two different uh, Amalias in that show, and both and both flawless. And then your uh, Alona was Sally Mays. Yes. What's <laughs> it like working with? She her. was she was great. I mean, she was flawless. The two of them, I loved that uh, trip to the library yeah. and uh, that great duet that they sing, which I, I'm blanking on the name. Well, I don't uh, know what he looks like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know his name. I don't know his name. I mean, come on, the music in that show, the it's songs. Perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and then you finished that, and then moved into Phantom afterwards. Uh, no, you know what? You the, went to London. The, at no, one you know what? Too. Uh, we had the, the, the order wrong. I did that, and then I went to Kiss of the Spider Woman. How did uh, Mac uh, and Mabel come oh, about? Yeah. yeah, so I was in doing... London. Yeah, in London. Um, it was uh, 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 the producer, John Wilner, who had been a part of a LaDon Wilner, which was a big advertising, Broadway advertising uh, right. agency. Uh, he was producing the show. He had said to Jerry Herman, it is my favorite Jerry Herman score, Mine and too. I want... I want that show to have a life. And of course, they had been trying for years. It had the amazing original cast with Bernadette Peters and Robert Robert Preston. Preston, It was, again, just a great, great score. Uh, And and they said, we want to give this a go. And I think John Wilner saw me in uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. He did. Saw me in it. And uh, next thing I know, they had offered me the role. Uh, They flew me out to, to meet with Jerry Herman. Who could not have been sweeter? Uh, I stayed at Jerry's house in oh, Beverly Hills. We had cool. dinner together, and he said, uh, I, "And I, I think I had a little audition. You, you know, <laughs> they the tried to make it like, seem yeah, like, oh, let's just sing a few yeah, songs. Let's yeah. just what have the some heck? Fun. Why not? Yeah, I won't along. send roses. I don't know." <laughs> 
would you sing that for me just because I love it so much? Right. You know, uh, uh, but um, and the director Paul Harrison, who's a Brit, who come mm-hmm. over to for the meeting, came came to Beverly Hills. We were all in Beverly Hills for God's oh, sake. And I had been and I was doing uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman on Broadway, yeah. mm-hmm. so it was my day off. I flew out there. We had. We had dinner at Jerry's. We went out for dinner, and then uh-huh. then there we were around the piano at Jerry's house. And uh, that's a good day. And off. suddenly I was singing, that's... singing my heart out, and uh, I got hired. That's I got wonderful. hired. And then where did you do it in London? Where were you guys? So we started uh, in the at the Haymarket Theater up oh. in the Midlands. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a regional theater there, yeah. and we did it there before we moved into the West End, and we played the. Piccadilly. Yeah, uh-huh. the Piccadilly. Yeah. I think I was there about six months total that time. Uh-huh. And uh, because I'd said, I, you know, I, I was going through a divorce at the uh-huh. time. It was difficult. I have had at the time two small children. They're now grown uh-huh. young men. Um, yeah. But I, I, I really knew I wasn't going to last that long there. Because yes. my home was here. My heart was here. Yes. A lot of stuff. So... Um, yeah, I I always loved the idea of working there, and mm-hmm. and I loved my experiences there. Mm-hmm. I went back and did Mac and Mabel, mm-hmm. but um, by the time I was ready to leave, I was ready to leave. I have to tell you, Fair. I mean it's 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 uh, such a great city, and the people are great, yeah. but you're just not home. Yeah, and there's I've talked to a lot of people who've worked over there. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same thing. You're just not home. Yeah. It's like an extended vacation, but you gotta yeah. go back. Yeah. You have to yeah. come back. Uh, yeah, you feel we, when it, when it's it's time. It's time. Yeah. We love having you here. Yeah, <laughs> yes, well, we do. Thank you. Thank um, you. Now, I don't know if many people know this, but you're part of a very legendary film, and was and no one sees your face. Oh yes, South Park. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes, they know your voice. They yeah. know the voice, Gregory. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Some people have. Uh, I, I'm I'm shocked when people ha- when it first came out and people saw it and didn't know I was in it because you. The, I yeah. don't think you see the name until the end of the credits. Yeah. They heard the voice and said, "That's Howard." <laughs> now, how they hear that when it's sped up to be a young, you know, it's it's this yeah. young kid's voice. Yeah. Uh, but so we recorded it. You know, you recorded it in your obviously in your real voice, yeah. and then through the magic of their you know technical wizardry, they make you sound like a little kid. But and can you tell us about the character of <laughs> Gregory? <laughs> well, yeah, he's this Canadian kid who's gonna he's rabble rousing the you know the the kids to to rise up right, right. and uh, rebel, yeah. uh, and to rebel. So uh, I mean, it was just it was pretty fantastic. It uh, it happened. My partner uh, Richard Sampson was at home one day, and, and um, Mark Shaman sent him an IM saying, um, is, is, "Would Howard be interested in doing South Park the movie?" <laughs> That's how it came. That's about. how it happened. Yeah, and uh, and I said, "Tell him yes." Yeah. What do you think? Oh, amazing! Yeah. Wow. So, so it, really, Facebook. literally, yeah, literally. Yeah. I think two days later, I was in the studio. Uh, and Mark was in L.A. in a studio, and uh-huh. we did it remotely. So, you know, I sang it in a booth in New York, and he was in a booth in, in L.A. Joys of technology. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then we talked about it before, but uh, Phantom comes in, what did you say, 99? Nine, yeah. That was the first uh-huh. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I was part of an ill-fated attempt to get time and again to Broadway. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Rebecca Luker and I did uh, Jack O'Brien directed. Yeah. It was it was just a show that 
it, again, a gorgeous score. It just didn't all come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember, yeah, that was right after Mac and Mabel. I came back to, uh, to the States and went right to San Diego. We did it at the Old Globe, um, Jack O'Brien directing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just didn't, didn't click. And then you're a witness to history because it's the last time, as of now at least, that Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim yeah, collaborate yeah. together and it's bounds. Yeah. What was that process? Like? Uh it was uh it was great and it was frustrating because it didn't work. Again, yeah. a show that doesn't work and you don't they're again an honor to be in the room with yeah. those people. Uh Richard Kine once said, It's Ra- it's Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's and it's true. You look across the table and there's Steve Sondheim and yes. Hal Prince and you just think, Oh my god. Yeah. You know, come on, talk about, uh, you know, died and gone to heaven. It was just, I I was, I was thrilled by it. I was uh, intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy to get the chance to, to jump in with that. And uh, it just, again, it was frustrating because you knew it wasn't all clicking, Mm -hmm. but how and why, if Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim can't figure out how to make a show work then I don't know who can. Yeah. You know, it was this huge, sprawling story. Uh, and so it, it, it's a tough one to, to put your finger on because, again, you know, you're, you're working on material. This, this show had, had several workshops. Mm-hmm. I had first done a workshop of this, and I was playing the part that Gavin Creel played oh. in our production, oh, okay. um, which was uh, Paris Singer. Yeah. is the name the of lover, the character. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lover. Sings that talent and song. Yeah. I, but at that point, well, the first time I did a reading of this, it was uh, in a little room, and Steve had not written a second act yet. Mm. I mean, John, we read John Wideman's second act draft without songs. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were songs only wow. for the first act, and Victor Garber and Nathan Lane were the Wilson and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Addison. And then, of course, they did... I, and I did a couple other workshops with them, and then Sam Mendes did the mm-hmm. the yep. thing down at the public that they all took part of. I right. was not a part of it. I think Michael C. Hall was. Okay. And then, uh, then cut to a couple years later, I was doing Phantom on Broadway, and Hal called me and said, um, we're going to give uh, this show another whack. And he said, I'm going to direct it. It was called Gold. Yeah. It, this show had many, many titles. It was called Gold, and uh, it had been called Wise Guys yeah, when yes. Nathan and, and Victor did it. So then, and he said, well, I'll send you the script. And I said, fantastic, thinking I was going to be playing the part of Paris Singer. Yeah. And I got the script, and Wilson Meisner was circled on the script. <laughs> And I thought, okay. Moving up. Wow, <laughs> moving up. Oh, all right. You know, so so there I was suddenly playing Wilson Meisner, mm. this great scalawag, horribly self, uh, you know, involved yeah. cheater, yeah. liar, con man, extraordinaire, uh, who really, and, and these guys are actually historical figures. They, oh, yeah. they, they really real. did these things. They were amazing. They were amazing, brilliant guys. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and uh, But the, the truth caught up with them too many times yes. <laughs> because they were really good at conning people. They were yeah. very good at conning people. What's it like sharing the stage with Richard Kind? It was great. 
I mean, uh, you know, thrilling. Uh, he's a big guy and a big talent. So you have to, you have to, again, you better step up and be ready, you know. Uh, but we, we had a blast. We had a blast. And Michelle Pock played oh, my love interest yeah. in this thing. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of who the else. Mother, the mother. Jane Powell? Uh, no, no, Jane Powell. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, Jane, Jane Powell, Powell. Played, our, played our mother. It was a wonderful cast. We were in Chicago and then D.C. Yeah. And then... Yeah, hopefully coming to Broadway. Yes, and that the hope didn't... was that we would come to Broadway, and it just didn't quite make it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't know if they've given up yet because I know for Steve and I think John too, this was a a show that they both believed mm-hmm. really could work. It just they had to find the right way yeah. to yeah. tell the story. Yeah. What brought you back to Phantom so often? I mean, you I mean, I'm sure you've had the you've had the opportunity to leave and not sign again, but what mm-hmm. what brought you back so often? Uh, well, I mean, you know, you don't get offered many roles like that in your lifetime. Yeah, Uh, it's just such an iconic part and I loved performing it. I, Mm. you know, as I said before, there were challenging moments and aspects of doing a show that long, but I loved singing that score Mm. and, uh, inhabiting that crazy guy. (laughs) I just, uh, it was pretty delicious stuff you know for a young actor that might assume the role one day i mean what's the best piece of advice you can pass on to them about uh the get character? lots of rest <laughs> <laughs> christine well, gets the it. matinees off but not the phantom yeah, that's <laughs> right you know the yeah. join us next week when kevin and i discuss the 2016 tony award nominations and we predict who will win who will lose and who was born to sing the blues any journey fans out there Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.